We're back now on the WMAY morning news feed. Now, usually I'm on in the afternoons. Jim Leach filling in for Greg Bishop today. And uh, in that afternoon time slot, once a month, we check in with Ryan McCrady of the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. Ryan was good enough to allow uh, that segment to be moved to the mornings today so we could uh, make sure we have our monthly check-in. So we welcome to the program Ryan McCrady, Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. Ryan, as always, thanks for your time. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me on. I want to dive right into it by talking about uh, the fact that we are in the midst of economic recovery after the uh, the pandemic crash of last year. People are really eager to get out, to get back to their old activities, to start, to start you know spending and, and doing things again. One of the things we're seeing a lot of, though, is businesses, and especially in the hospitality industry, but I think it, it's in other fields as well, uh, where businesses are saying, we're just, we're really... In a tough spot. We can't find workers to meet the demand. So I've seen uh, places, you know, closing up earlier than they ordinarily would. They don't have the staff for it. They're having to post signs saying, hey, please just be patient. It may take a while because we just don't have the, the people on hand. What is going on with this worker shortage and what, if anything, can be done about it? Well, it, it it definitely is a real issue. I know there's some there's a lot of questions out there about whether there really is a shortage or it's just this perceived. But um, you know, I last I just returned from a, a conference last week uh, with a, a group of national site selectors talking about trends around the country. And if it makes you feel any better, we don't own this problem ourselves, which which you know misery loves company, I guess. But they're seeing this across the country, and we all want data, right? We all want to know why, what's going on. And, you know, it just takes time to assemble data. But one of the things that's being realized is a lot of people in some of these industries, so particularly leisure and hospitality, uh, food service, they uh, got reemployed other places during the pandemic. So when the pandemic hit and they could not work anymore, some of them went and moved industries completely. So that's one of the issues that we know that leisure and hospitality is dealing with, although we are seeing this across all industries. And it's it's a real issue. Now, everybody wants to point a finger and blame this thing or that thing. Um, I'm the kind of person I feel like very few things in the world are binary, you know, yes or no or, or one way or the other. I think there's a lot of things that work, but it's a real issue. Employers across all industries are dealing with it right now. And it's if you're a job seeker, I tell you what, uh, you are in the power position right now. Yeah, you know, I uh, I was at a restaurant uh, a few days ago, and as I said, you know, I've seen a lot of places that are saying, you know, we're just we're just shorthanded, we're having a tough time, we may not be able to get you, we may have to close early. Then I was in a place a few days ago where they were they were full. I mean, every table was full. There was a, a, a wait, but uh, they weren't skimping, they weren't holding back, uh, and we got great service there. So they clearly had people right. on hand. They were able to get things done. I don't really know what the what the secret is what's different there, but some places are able to pull this off. Is it just a question of money? Are places able to fill the demand and meet the needs if they just pay people more, or or is there something else going on there? I think there's a lot of things at work, Jim, and like I said before, I don't think it's one issue that's causing all this. A couple things to think about, um, and, and I don't know this personally because our kids are now old enough I don't deal with daycare, but I hear there's still a shortage of daycare slots. And so if people cannot find daycare slots for their children, it makes it more difficult for them to go back into the workforce. Also, I think employers are getting much more creative. I mean, just listening to your gym and your station, gym, and some of the ads we hear from local restaurants who are offering 
different types of things, whether it's food during your shift while you're working. Uh, employers are having to compete for labor, so they're getting, you know, they're getting more creative about that. Um, you know, this pandemic, uh, it changed everybody a little bit, whether we realize it or not, and it, it changed the workforce, too. Um, however, you know, we're not, we don't own this problem ourselves. Based on what I can see across our country, we still have about 7 million fewer people working today than we did prior to the pandemic. And that's for a lot of reasons, but it's, it's a real issue. Employers are struggling with it, and it will limit our economic growth. If, if employers cannot get labor to produce products and services that they sell, it, it will stunt our, our recovery and slow it down. And so I'm hopeful that this issue gets solved here. Maybe when school starts and kids start going back into the classroom, maybe we'll see another bump in people entering the workforce. I sure hope so. Um, but we'll continue to do whatever we can to, to push it in the right direction. It's such a ripple effect, too. I, I assume this has to be related, but, boy, it seems like we, we're having some real supply chain issues. You go into yep. uh, into grocery stores, convenience stores. There's so many things. They're just out of stock. They're sold out of so many different items right. and things. Uh, and that's got to you know be a, a problem, too, even if you had the, the people on hand to sell the product. If you can't get the product, you, you're not in any better shape. It is, and, and, and people are getting frustrated. So uh, they have they can go out now. They can uh, uh, procure products and services. However, they can't get them when they want them, which makes it frustrating. They feel like they're paying for the things, if it, more for the things if they can get them. So they're getting frustrated with that. Um, it's all causing a lot of uneasiness, I think, uh, that you can see. Um, the other thing that's happening, Jim, is that uh, in, uh, businesses are changing their supply chains. So for many, many years, uh, businesses always wanted to operate maybe on a just-in-time inventory system, get that thing in just right before I have to use it or sell it. And now, due to the pandemic, everybody's realized the risk that puts into their supply chains. So they're, they're doing more stock on hand. And then that increased demands causing trouble throughout the whole value chain of a business. If you think about the suppliers for a business and who they sell to, that's an entire value chain. And anytime something in one part of that changes, it impacts the whole thing. It just, you know, what I always say about an economy is that nothing is mutually exclusive. If you pull a lever down somewhere, the lever is going to go up somewhere else. You just have to figure out where those two levers are connected. Ryan McCready's here with the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. And Ryan, as you noted, uh, it really is a great market for a job seeker. Uh, opportunities uh, abound out there. Uh, but you also have to have the right skill set for what is available. And we've talked in the past about what they've been doing out at Lincoln Lane Community College and workforce development. Uh, give us a bit of an update on that and how, how things are yeah. going and how that is shaping our, our local workforce for the future. Well, Lincoln has seen a very uh, a rapid response to their Workforce Institute that they recently launched. And I really want to give a lot of credit to Lincoln Land. I think most people underestimate the importance of having a great community college and the work I do in economic development, and we're really fortunate here. I am an alum, so I'm partial, but honestly, they, they've really uh, changed their programs. They now have five start periods a year for their programs. So, you know, usually if you think about going to a college, you're like, oh, I missed the fall or spring semester. I got to wait till the next semester. They have five starting points. They've seen their enrollment go up significantly. So when we talk about the long-term projections of the workforce here in the community, that tells me that we're going to be uh, going in the right direction here in the future. They have a number of programs. They work directly with employers. They have a tremendous placement rate. So I hope folks that are interested in 
getting a new skill or upskilling, well, check out Lincoln Land and, and get connected to their training and to a job here in the community. Again, it's really a golden opportunity and really to write your own ticket to, for some of these uh, chances right. to really position yourself for the future. Ryan McCrady, who is the CEO of the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance, is back with us. want to get an update on some of the lingering issues out there with potential impact on our local economy. Ryan, of course, one of those is that green energy legislation that is being worked on somewhere in the bowels of the Capitol. We don't yet know what this bill is going to look like, but uh, I don't know, maybe you've got some uh, better sources. Uh, what are you hearing about it and what does it mean, not only for City Water, Light and Power, but we also have that uh, natural gas uh, fueled power plant down around Pawnee that's been in the works as well. How does this all shake out? Right. So the best information we have on the uh, energy bill negotiations is that negotiations are continuing. So, you know, they've got uh, a number of parties involved that uh, have to come to some type of agreement. That's never easy to achieve, especially when you're looking at uh, something with such a fundamental impact across the state. Illinois is a very diverse state in size and, and types of workforce and types of communities. So anytime you're going to try to do a legislation statewide, it's going to be difficult. But I do I have received a lot of questions about how this bill might impact the energy project down in Pawnee. And actually, this legislation would, would be beneficial to it, um, even though that, that power plant will be burning natural gas when it starts. The turbines that are used at that power plant have are designed to burn hydrogen also. So that's been the plan all along, and this plant could be burning hydrogen by 2035, which is 10 years ahead of what Governor Pritzker's goal is to uh, to stop burning natural gas. So this, this power plant is actually complementary to that energy legislation. Now, having the legislation passed and having some certainty about where energy policy is going for the state in the future will also help the project because it's a $1 billion investment. Uh, for Emberclear. And, uh, you know, I've never made a $1 billion investment, but if I was going to, I'd sure like to know what the playing field is going to be in the next 20, 30, or 40 years. So uh, the legislation is actually helpful, not hurtful, and we're hoping some clarity will be achieved here soon and, and we can get that project moving forward. They're still waiting for the draft air permit from Illinois EPA, but those two things can run parallel to each other. So uh, it's good news for that project. We'll keep a close eye on that one and stay in touch on it. Uh, another uh, project locally we've been following, haven't heard uh, a lot on it uh, since uh, recent city council action, is the Legacy Sports Complex. Anything new on that front? Right. right. So I, I talk frequently to the development team. Uh, they did sign the uh, development agreement, officially signed it with the city in the middle of June. And that's great news. Uh, the development team's going through their process of putting together their team of investors and, and partners and interested parties, and the interest they're receiving has exceeded far exceeded their expectations. Um, so, so far, everything is going along actually better than expected. Um, the goal still is to have a, um, a soft, uh, soft opening of that legacy sports complex in the fall of 22, and a full opening in the spring of 23. And just to give you some idea of the size and scale, Jim, there's a lot of talk about this being 10 fields. And it's actually 10 multi-purpose fields. And so when you talk about a multi-purpose field, you're not just locked into baseball or soccer or something else. You're talking baseball, softball, lacrosse, soccer. I mean, this will be a complex that can host a 120-team soccer tournament. So it's really much, much larger than anything else that we have around the region 
still very excited about it and very optimistic about the future. And and as far as a timeline for really getting this off the ground, bringing some of this sports tourism into Springfield, uh, what's what's that shaping up to be? So you're looking at uh, as soon as the weather would allow 2023 for the full use of it, but it'll start being utilized. The latest projection is fall of 22. All right. Well, um, so so that's that's the the timeline that's in front of us right now. Um, it's a it's a significant construction project. We live in Illinois, so we have two seasons, right? Winter and construction. <laughs> um, so so they'll they'll do whatever they can while Mother Nature allows. I think you'll see it really ramp up construction-wise in the spring of 22, going all throughout next year. Ryan McCrady is here with us, CEO of the Springfield Sangam and Growth Alliance. It's a huge part of the local economic development effort, but not the only part. There are other uh, entities that play a big role in this as well. And we've seen some changes there. We've got a new director at Downtown Springfield, Inc. We still don't have a city economic development coordinator with the mayor uh, kind of wearing that hat uh, on his own for right now, although there are certainly staffers in in, uh, economic development for the city of Springfield. Ryan, how does all of that impact you and your organization as you are working on economic development? Uh, what do those changes mean and how are they playing out? So I've always told everybody economic development is a team sport. It's even though there's a lot of confidentiality in the work that we do, when you put together your partners that you work closely with, it very much is a team effort. Downtown Springfield Inc. is a very important part of that. We I greatly enjoyed working with with Lisa Clemens-Stott. Kayla is a super person to have engaged, a lot of energy, great vision. We've enjoyed working with her and we'll continue to do that. Um, You know, the thing about economic development projects is there really are, they go on for years. And so from the first time I get a phone call from somebody interested in coming to the community until the day they break ground, it could easily be a couple years. I've had projects go on for four or five years from the first call to groundbreaking. And, and so you have to be set up for these projects to continue on, even when the people sitting in the specific chairs change. And that's why you want to have a team like the one we have here in Springfield and Sangamon County, working closely with DSI, working closely with the city of Springfield. Uh, Abby Powell, that works in their economic development office, is, is keenly involved in the work I'm doing with the mayor uh, and his administration. So those projects don't stop because somebody changes. And we try to collaborate and work together so we can make sure we're giving the best service to the business. And if anything changes in the middle of all that, it's really the business doesn't even notice it. What they know is the community is ready to accept them to come in, to come here and get operating. Ryan McCrady is the CEO of the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. We always appreciate your time. If people want to learn more about what your organization is doing, how do they do so? They can check out our website at thriveandspi.org. Hopefully, they'll take a look at that. Check out our Thrive and SPI campaign to learn more about their community. Maybe, like you, Jim, sign up to be one of our Thrive allies and help us sell Springfield and Sangamon County. You can also give us a call at 679-3500. Be happy to talk to them or any groups that they're involved in. We'd love to come out and speak and get to know them. Ryan, always appreciate your time. We'll talk again next month, if not sooner. Thank you, Jim.